for your love. Your tender mercies. Your loving kindness. Father, help us to understand how much you love us. How much you care about us. Help us to take this from our head into our heart. Help us to be rooted and grounded in your love that surpasses knowledge. Help us to understand what it means to be called as your children. Help us, Father. Thank you for the refreshing that comes from your presence. We bless you, Lord God, for our time together tonight. Holy Spirit, we thank you. We thank you. We thank you. We thank you. Thank you, Father God, for your word and our time together tonight. We thank you because we know it's blessed and it's anointed by you. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for breaking open the seal of your word. We honor you. We bless you. In Jesus' name. Amen. You may take your seats. Praise God. Thank you, guys. Thank you very much. Thank you. Amen. So let's go to Ephesians chapter 1, verse, beginning from verse 15. Just going over Sunday morning and just uh, highlighting one or two things. Talking about the enlightened heart. Paul is speaking to the Ephesians church. And we must keep in mind that this church is a believing church. He says to them, therefore I also, as after I heard of your faith, in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints. So there clearly, that clearly establishes that they were already born again. So I do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you that spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened. Let's just stop right there. So, for this born again church, Paul yet continues to pray for them. Because, okay, he continues to pray for them that one, they will get the, catch the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of who Jesus Christ is. So clearly this establishes for you and I that it is possible to be born again and yet don't have the revelation of who Jesus is. Because if they already had it, they wouldn't be praying for it. And I just really pray that God will help all of us because really many of us, we are different levels of coming to this revelation and understanding of who he is. Because when that happens, I think we will see a radical change in our lives. There's no question about it. It says, he's praying for the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Another scripture, I believe in 2 Peter, talks about how 
grace and peace be multiplied to us again in the knowledge of him. Peace is a state of, uh, it's a state of welfare of prosperity, of calm, tranquility, satisfaction, fulfillment. At the end of the day, that's where all of us are headed. That's what we want to get to. And you notice in all of Paul's writings, grace and peace, grace and peace, and, and they go together like that. Peace, peace, peace. Peace not as in uh, uh, being afraid or absence of problems, but peace as in you are settled. All your needs are met. Uh, you are not in anxiety. Uh, you, you are fulfilled. You are satisfied. And that peace only comes, the, the peace comes, grace is the means to get to that peace. And so that's why it says grace and peace. Peace being the end means, end goal, but grace being the instrument of getting there. Wow, thank you, man. <laughs> when this guy goes back to school, man, what am I going to do? <laughs> this, is, this is, I'm thinking it and I'm seeing it. This is, this is almost supernatural. <laughs> Praise God. Grace and peace be multiplied to you. In the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. That is loaded. Grace and peace can be multiplied. But the multiplication only comes as you exercise your knowledge of who God is and of his son Jesus Christ. Otherwise, you just remain a status quo grace and peace. The grace that got you born again, just, just barely got you through line. You just barely got your nose through the eye in the line. Ah, oh, I'm born again. You just pack there forever if you don't grow in the knowledge of who God is. So anyway, Paul is praying for this church. And he says in his prayer, he wants the eyes of their understanding to be enlightened. That's another very deep message. Now, these guys were not blind people. But he realized, he said, listen, if you ever come to a place where you walk in clear knowledge, where you see clearly what God has for you, it will change the way you see things. I was talking to some guys just a few minutes before service, <laughs> and I was telling them what's about to happen with the next presidential election in 2020. Ah, and I said to me, be careful, don't say that, oh, don't say that, because, you know, you must understand. And I said, I'm not saying what I wish, I'm saying what I see. D do you understand that? Pastor Abike is here tonight, he's been gone for about three weeks, but he's back here tonight. Let, let, do you remember when the 2016 election was coming up yes. at the men's fellowship? Yes. And I kept telling you guys that Donald Trump will become president? That's right. Now. It was a bad joke. Oh, okay. <laughs> but I wasn't saying that because I supported Trump. It's not a matter of my preference. But, 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 but there are times when you just begin to see things and when you see them, you call what you see as it is. And that's what happens. It wasn't because, because I preferred, I mean, way back then I would have easily preferred Jeb Bush, John Kasich, any of them. But I just saw it. I'm saying that to say, when Paul said this to the Ephesian church, he said to them, I'm praying that the eyes of your understanding be enlightened. I know you can see, you have 2020 vision, you're walking around, 
but, you, but I'm praying that you see the way God sees. Because when you see what God is seeing, it changes everything. Case in point, 2 Kings chapter 6, I believe it is, Elisha and his servant. You remember the story? The Syrian army had encompassed around Elisha to come and arrest him. And his servant was afraid. Naturally, he should be afraid. But the man of God was just calm. He was just calm, cool, and collected. And the man, the servant said, Ah, master, Oga, what's your problem? Don't you see what is going on here? We're in trouble. Elisha said, no, no, chill, just chill. Just chill, just chill. And then he talked to God. He said, God, open my servant's eyes. Let him see what I'm saying. And when his eyes opened, ah, now I know why you are calm. That is an example of eyes being enlightened. He was able to see beyond the realm of the natural and see what. So Paul here is praying for this church. Say, listen. I know you live in Ephesus. I know all the things that's happening in this city. The princess uh, uh, Diana, the, the goddess and all of this. I said, but let me tell you what God's plan for you is. Number one, God has chosen you. This is a definite, intentional plan of God to bring you to his kingdom. Number two, he has adopted you into his family. Number three, he has redeemed you. Which means he's brought you back to the original purpose and intent. And lastly, to secure all of that, he sealed you with the Holy Spirit. That is his guarantee that he's not going to leave you alone. He's not going to abandon you. He's going to come back at the appropriate time and bring you back to himself. Just as we are hearing that tonight and knowing that this is false, for many of us it has not become real. What it means to be chosen, what it means to be adopted, what it means to be redeemed, and what it means to be sealed. So Paul says, you know what, even though this is our truth, it's already happened. Let me pray that God will open your eyes so you can come to the reality of what these things mean right now. And that's my prayer for all of us. That God will help us to come to a place of real understanding of what these things mean to us now. How real they are to us. Because it's already happened in the past tense. So he said he prayed for the eyes of the understanding to be enlightened. And then he went on to pray three specific prayer points. And we did the first one on Sunday morning. And that's where I want to come begin tonight. And then I'll take some input from you guys. That you may know what is the hope of his calling. Huge. That you may know what is the hope of his calling. So the question is, what is the hope of God's calling for us? On Sunday, I threw some things out there. Is it athletic pursuit and excellence and glory? Becoming a Tom Brady or Matt Ryan or is that what it is? Is it a scientific achievement where we win a Nobel Peace Prize? Or is it amassing incredible wealth and having plenty of money? Now, all of those things in and of themselves are not bad. They are not evil. If one gives God the glory he deserves in any of those realms. So, any of those things, 
But at the end of the day, though, the Bible asked the question. It said, uh, what's, what's that scripture? Where it talks about how, what will a man give in exchange for his soul? How does that scripture go again? Let me see. Let me try to recall it. Hmm? What shall it profit a man? If he shall gain the whole world and lose his soul. If I amass all the wealth, all the fame, have accolades and trophies. At the end of the day, what, does, what, 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 what can you give an exchange for your soul? Nothing. There's not enough money, not enough anything to compare with that. So the point Paul is making is when God chose me and you, when he chose the efficient church, when he redeemed, adopted, and sealed us, God must have had an intention. He had an intent. Otherwise, it would be a careless choice. And we know that God is not careless. What was this original intent when he determined and desired and said, you know what, I'm going to bring bank, I'm going to bring Pastor IBK, or let me uh, what, When God said that, what did he have in mind? Amen. <laughs> this, this, is, this, is, this is really the bottom line of living. Because except you and I are living based on that design or that pattern, God forbid, it would be a life wasted. There is something worse than hopelessness. And I mentioned that on Sunday. It's the issue of being useless. To just say, this, this person or this thing is useless. In other words, there's no real reason for their existence. Because when you get this right, everything has begun to fall in place with it. The reason the Apostle Paul is so powerful and his writings, he says something in Galatians chapter 1 verse 15. Give that to me. To, to dovetail with what we're saying here. Galatians 1 15. He said, when it pleased God, no, verse 15, when it pleased God, who separated me from my mother's womb and called me through his grace. So what did Paul do? Paul is an adult, but he traced the grace of God back to his birth. He said, when he pleased God that separated me from my mother's womb, which means God's purpose for his life, he understood it began before that separation. There are two significant days in anybody's life. Two, two critically important days that none of us should forget. First day, the day you were born. Because that day, you put on a suit, you put on a body suit to appear in the earth to begin to fulfill purpose. Day one. But the second most important day of your life is the day you find out what your call is. You guys didn't hear me. <laughs> he didn't hear me at all. Two critical days. The day you are born and the day you, you find yourself bang, smacking the will of God. This is the reason for which I exist. Yeah. Two critical important days. 
Go back to Galatians 1.15 for me. So Paul says, when he pleased God, so he recognized that his birth was not just an accident. Do you know how many people are walking down the streets just thought a man and a woman got together and they're here? Forget those on the street. How about those of us in here? We just think we're here. I'm a man, I'm a woman. No. It pleased God. No matter how it happened. Legitimately, illegitimately, in wedlock, out of wedlock. Forget all of that. It pleased God. <laughs> Praise God. Who separated me from my mother's womb and called me by his grace. The day of the call and the day of the birth. Two significant days. And really, when you think of the largeness of the heart of God, and this is a little digression, and when you compare the life of this Paul, Acts chapter 8, he was consenting to uh, wrecking the church. Acts chapter 9, he got letters to start putting everybody in jail. And right in the midst of persecuting the church, God called him. He was apprehended. And when you look at the account of his apprehension, it's the most incredible story. I now understand why Paul understands the grace message beyond anybody else. Of all people, he was the least qualified to be used or called by God. A man who was doing havoc, havoc to the church. And God, call, God calls him. Amen? Okay, so the call. What's your thoughts about your call? The hope of his calling. Now, don't think so deep. No matter what you're doing, no matter where you are, we, we ended the service last Sunday by establishing God is able to use wherever you are. It's like a weaver. He weaves things together in a way that you and I can never imagine and bring things to pass in his own favor for his own honor and glory. Yeah. So before you start thinking so deeply, uh, you need to understand that. God is able to make What seemingly do not fit, it works it all together to bring a cohesive meaning and ending to it. But it just needs our participation and cooperation. Paul, for instance, already had a propensity towards God. When he was persecuting the church, he really thought he was doing God a favor. Because he was, very, he was very deeply steeped in the law. So the bend towards God was already in him. And he was faithful to the little bit he had. Zealous and faithful about that. How does that speak to us? You had something? <laughs> Give Kelly the mic. She has something. I think take one or two scriptures that say that we are ambassadors of Christ. Uh -huh. 
Ambassadors simply represent. Broadly speaking, we are called to glorify God so that wherever we find ourselves, whatever we are doing, we give our best. Um, there's an adage that says, whatever your hands find to do, do it with all your might. Mm -hmm. So I believe that um, whatever you are doing, just do it to the best of your ability so that God will be glorified. And um, if he has something else for you, where you are, Correct. he will show you. Amen. Because um, I've had issues with this issue of, you know, your calling, your calling. And it always seems as if, if it's not the fivefold ministry, you are not called. <laughs> you know, if, if it's not something so grand you are doing for God, you are not called. Yeah. But um, I've begun to understand that that is not so. Absolutely Even not. Even as a mother, you are called. Yes. As a daughter, you are called. Yes. Whatever your hands find to do and wherever you are, glorify God. And he will just continue to lead you one step at a time. Today you are cooking. Maybe tomorrow you are going to be serving in a pantry. The day after tomorrow you are going to have a ministry. And you don't even have to have a ministry. You could just be where you are. In fact, in fact, everything you do is ministry. Yeah. No, but you know, we always have this. Well, see, those are all the things we need to disabuse. That, that's the challenge for which the members of the body cannot be, we cannot become activated. Because we are, you know, to, to your point, we are waiting for this grandiose uh, call and grandiose fanfare, I'm apostle, pastor, prophet, prophetess, and all that stuff. And, and that's, 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 that's just not the case. Uh, we are all called to be kings and priests. And as kings, you carry command. As a priest, you stand in the gap. So wherever you find yourself able to carry the command or stand in the gap, you're already functioning. Because, because we are spiritual entities. We are spiritual beings. As a result of that, anything you do is ministry. Case in point, when Jesus went to Canaan of Galilee in John chapter 2, was he there to do ministry or was he there to have a wonderful dancing party? <laughs> he was at a wedding. And we know that Jesus is not carnal. So if he went to the wedding, as far as God is concerned, that wedding was ministry. Because while he was there, what did he do? He glorified God. And those are the little, you, you'll be surprised, those are the little two-degree adjustments we need to start making in our thinking to help us find ultimately what God has for us. For me not to think that, okay, uh, I'm a flight attendant on the aircraft, uh, hey, there's nothing to this. That every person you touch, if I'm touching them with the intention of God, give an open door. I want to just glorify you, be a blessing. You'll be amazed. That's where it starts. So we can't be waiting or thinking until we get to the stadium and become Billy Graham. And then we are ministry. No. No. In fact, there's a scripture in, uh, is it First Peter? Chapter 5, 4. Let me. This thing, is, this thing will spoil you if, if, you don't, if you're not careful. This, this screen. You'll be waiting for the scripture on the screen. <laughs> you got the right scripture? So uh, let, let me just find it. Um, it's talking about the gifts. 
us. So that's good for us today. First Peter. Uh, that we'll be faithful to serve with the gifts that we have from God. Hmm? Ah. Huh? 410, let me see. I think so. I think it's 410. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 It's on the screen. Ah. Thank you. You got it. That's it. Let me start from verse 7. But the end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be serious and watchful in your prayers. And above all things, have fervent love for one another, for love will cover a multitude of sins. Be hospitable to one another without grumbling. Now, this is the key. Verse 10, watch. As each one has received a gift, minister to one another. The amplifier says, employ it. Instead of minister, employed to one another. Why? As no, go back. Okay, he's going to amplify this guy, man. <laughs> go back. Go back to the NKJ for a minute. Thank you. As good stewards of the manifold grace of God. So the issue is, all of us have been endowed with something. In fact, in this context of this passage, it talks about hospitability. Just being hospitable is a gift. And I says, use that gift of hospitality to serve, to be a blessing to one another. And you'll be surprised at why you're doing that whether you're bringing uh, donuts to church or uh, to your neighborhood or you're serving Kool-Aid or lemonade or just being a blessing, you'll be amazed how through that you'll encounter something that's bigger than what, where you started at. The Bible says that through it, saints have entertained angels unawares. Just using that gift of hospitality, being hospitable. So what I'm saying is, Wherever you are, where you, wherever you find yourself, whatever it is that you know that God has given you a passion for, use that to glorify God. And be consistent in doing that. Yeah. You'll be amazed. You'll be amazed how your life will change. How you're going to begin to... Uh, because the revelation of God to all of us is progressive. Yeah. He's not going to give you the whole nine years in one day. He starts you out as you start moving because the steps of a good man are ordered of the Lord. It becomes clearer and clearer and clearer and clearer and clearer. That's what happens. He just told, told, do you think Abraham understood what God said to him in Genesis chapter 12? No. Of course not. There's no way he could have understood the whole nine yards. But at least he began to obey. And as he obeyed, it got clearer and clearer. Anybody else? Does everybody here know their gifts? Hmm? Salvation, you know your gift? Your gifts? <laughs> she said a few. 
Okay. Yeah. Um, and it says, above all things, mm -hmm. a fervent love for one another. Mm -hmm. For love cover a multitude of sins. Mm -hmm. Even before I begin to think of my gift, it begins first with this. A fervent love yes. for one another. Yes. Because in that love, what love does, it says it covers a multitude of sins. Let's take away the multitude of sins. Love just now looks for the interest of the other first. And as I begin to see the interest of another before me, somehow my gift gets in the mix of it. But when love becomes the first thing, because when we look at God, the Bible says, for God so loved the world. Correct. He gave his only begotten. So Correct. he began with love. Correct. So for me, I think from everything you're saying tonight, where it begins for me, where I'm going to sit and start thinking over and over and just praying through is, is that fervent love. Yeah. Where I first begin to serve IBK in love. I serve you in love. I serve my sister in love. Now IBK is difficult to serve with love. Okay, that's true though. He goes to Greece all the time. He's, I don't see him all the time. You're right about that. It's difficult. Yeah, so let me bypass IBK. Let me go to somewhere else. You have to have a frequent flyer to, to, to love. <laughs> you know, I serve Dupe in love. I serve, you exactly. know, every, just serve, I think that's where it begins, I think for me. Yeah. You know, what, what you're saying is true. Um, yeah, what you're saying is true. What you're saying is true. Because love is an action word. For God so loved, and that love prompted him to do something. Uh, so really, no matter how we dice it, ultimately, all of us have to continue to grow in that love. I guess that's why Paul actually said in the, uh, where did he say it? Yeah, Ephesians actually, uh, that we should be rooted and grounded in love that surpasses knowledge. And that when we do that, we can come to the fullness of who God is. So love is what's going to bring us to that fullness. And many of the things that um, discourage or impede us from loving one another, the fruit of the Spirit addresses. The issue of perseverance, long-suffering, uh, patience, because my brother offends me. I say, ah, I don't want to fool him again. I don't want to fool her any longer. Uh, so God gave us the, this fruit to help us overcome those those uh, uh, issues, but uh, yeah, yeah. Anybody else? Anything else? So in love, we serve one another, absolutely. Absolutely, as we seek to begin to be obedient in whatever gifts God has, has given us. In love, we serve one another. No question about that. Anybody else? Nobody else has anything? Okay, good. That's been said. Let's just, let's, let's just pray. It's 8.30. 8.31.